Man, you come right out of a comic book. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Uh, just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. You shall not pass! No! Get to the chopper! Welcome to Screen Mayhem. This is our Thriving in Captivity update. <laughs> I have a head reviewer, Paul Salt, with me here again, and we are going to talk about how we've been thriving in captivity with the magic of motion pictures. How's it going, Paul? Absolutely. Attica, Attica, somebody let me out. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you know, you're you're in, in Britain, and I'm over here yeah, on yeah. the west coast of the United States. Uh, do mm. you have a similar toilet paper problem? We had a similar toilet paper problem in as much as the big supermarkets sold out immediately. I think all of the hoarders were basically driving their big old cars to the, oh. any supermarket that had a car park and were filling up the cars. So you were okay so long as you went to, you know, a little corner shop that was totally inaccessible via car, you know, because right. you've got lots of tiny little streets here that can't support <laughs> parking. So just go to one of those and you'd find enough toilet paper. But it was looking rough for a while. It was... It was when the online shops started selling out that yeah. freaked me out a bit. It's when eBay suddenly, you know, for for a while it was like, would you like to buy Kajimusha Criterion Edition, you know, on my recommended list? And now it's just, would you like 20 rolls of toilet paper? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, I made an order right at the beginning of the panic of just two packages from a company. And mm. the order went through just fine. And I'm like, cool. And that was like two and a half weeks ago. They came yesterday. I was like... Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't panic much because I asked my mother, who lives nearby, if she had enough toilet paper. And she said, oh, yes, I, I like to have a few rolls in reserve. And I went <laughs> to the house to check what that meant. And she's basically got like 18 rolls. Like before there was an outbreak, she just wow. happened to have that because that's the kind of person my mother is. She just has a lot of stuff. Good job, mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, we've been in lockdown here for, I guess it's been two weeks or so. Huh. Um, yeah, so I've okay. been I've um, I've already well practiced. I had the beginning where I got a little antsy and sad, and then, you know, <laughs> the kind of obsessing over reading about it and trying to understand yeah. it, and then I'm finally now at the point of oh, just gonna watch some more stuff and get drunk. So I think I'm a week behind you because I've essentially been at it for a week and a half, but the official lockdown only kicked in last uh, Monday of this week, the week okay. that we're just finishing. So. Yeah, it's been just the one week here of proper lockdown, but I've been kind of in it since last Thursday, so I'm a little behind. I'm still in the slightly melancholy stage of things. <laughs> right, and that really was kind of a big, I'm like, and I think a lot of people are feeling it. It's funny mm. for me, like watching my feeds, the people who are kind of local to me, we all kind of mm. had a shared experience, but then people in other states, like Colorado just got like a lockdown yesterday. Oh, right. And you know, it's, course, just, it's, yeah. it's weird to watch, yeah, the cycle start again. <laughs> for different people it's strange it's just a, a layer of adaptation because ultimately people have this innate need and an extraordinary extraordinary ability to be fine you know you see it in all situations people who are living in you know war-torn countries right. people who are living in prisons and such not to compare our you know experiences with them but over time and remarkably quickly people just become fine it becomes the new normal yeah yeah totally mm. It's both a strength and a weakness, I suppose, because it does mean we get to put up with some pretty terrible stuff sometimes. It's that classic thing that, yeah, our brain's smart enough to be like, well, that was traumatic. Let's forget about that. 
hey, look, cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bake more cookies for the boys and us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I started um, going down the route of what I was going to watch, and I'll just start with this because I was kind of like, mm. I don't want to watch. Um, oh, the, what's the Dustin Hoffman um, virus one? Outbreak. Oh, Outbreak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't want Outbreak. And there's this other one that has um, the girl from Continuum and G.I. Joe. She was in one called, like, Contagion. No, Contagion was another oh, big Contagion's one. Contagion's the Soderbergh movie with all the people in it. Right. That's, the, that's the one that's really hit big. Nobody's mentioned the Andromeda strain uh, yet, so yeah. I guess we're still cycling through. But yeah, there's been a sudden... For the podcast this week, we had to watch Resident Evil. And even that, there's, oh, there's like a vial yeah. of disease liquid that's getting shattered and it's like oh god this is in close to home <laughs> oh wait well my good one good thing about that would absolutely be uh her performance she was just such a badass and she kicked so much ass and she set the stage for all <laughs> the future kick-ass ladies that's true i mean she was she it's remarkable how early she was yeah because how does this compare to underworld with kate beckinsale i think it's a i think that may have been a year later but hmm. you forget that that movie resident evil was 2002 Wow. Getting on for 20 years now. <laughs> God, that's yeah. crazy. It really is. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so yeah, to my point, mm. I, I decided mm. I, I was going to go for, you know, some non-main, nothing that had viruses. So I just did like, yes. uh, I went on the Chuck Norris thing and I did uh, <laughs> Delta Force, which is really funny because I hadn't seen it in years. And it's got a huge cast. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me pull this up. Um, and while I, while I'm pulling that up, the other one, of course, was Invasion USA, which is just like Donald Trump <laughs> people's like super dream. That's the one, isn't it? Where a, a horde of just every foreigner attacks, <laughs> right? Like black people, Hispanic people, Asian people—they just all attack at once. Yeah, and, and it's rock had up that on really boats. creepy bad guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll look him up here in a second. But yeah, so hmm. Delta Force. Um, yeah. It had, I, th- I believe it had Lee Marvin. Yep, it did. It wow. Lee- yeah, it was like one of those Lovely movies Marvin. you could see that was like pitched to Chuck. It's like, you're the lead, but we're also, you know, we're getting all these like famous people in there. So it had Liam Neeson um, as a oh, bit wow. part. Um, huh. Robert Vaughn. Uh, it had Ooh. Martin Belsom. Shelley hmm. Winters was in it. It was really yeah. weird. It was kind of George Kennedy was in it. They just oh, got- I love George Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> they just got all these old actors, and they were like, hey, you know, it's us. Chuck Norris is famous. You want to be in a movie? Robert Forrester is the main bad guy, and he's supposed oh, to be, um, he's supposed to be, I think, oh, I don't know, Iranian or uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. He's wearing, like, oh, a spray tan and just talking <laughs> shit. You know, I've been recently catching up on David, David Lean movies, his early movies, when he adapted, like, um, Shakespeare and um, Noel yeah. Coward and such. I forget the the sheer range of weird shit that David um, that David Lean managed to get convince Alec Guinness to do. <laughs> in his early days, oh, he played, like, a horrible Jewish stereotype in um, Oliver Twist. He played Fagan, and he has played an Asian man. He played an Indian man in Passage to India. He played a Middle Eastern sheikh in Lawrence of Arabia, and he played a Soviet like investigator in um, Doctor Zhivago. So, yeah, Alec Guinness was up for it when it came to David Lean. That's awesome. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> he really is. Well, then the other one, yeah, Invasion USA. The hmm, bad guy yes. in that was Richard Lynch. If you know who that is, he's a classic no. B movie guy. He's got like kind of a I'm melty know him face. When I see him, aren't I? Yeah, he's like Sword and the Sorcerer. He was in all sorts of stuff. I think even he was in like maybe the original Halloween. I don't know. He's Ooh, always just yep, played that a creep. Is, yeah, that is a face. Yeah, I know that guy. Oh, the Ninth Configuration. The um, uh, William Peter. 
is it Will and Peter Blatty or is it? Uh, I think it's William Peter Blatty and uh, the Exorcist guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know why I know him so well? He's in Highlander. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He's in um, Transfers Two, which I love the whole Transfers oh, right. series. And then um, mm-hmm. he's also in, of all things, Puppet Master Three. That was the one with the Nazis. <laughs> Oh man, I don't think I saw that one. I saw Puppet um, Master one and two. Yeah, but I'm aware of Puppet Master. Um, yeah, the subsequent Nazi ones. I think three <laughs> is considered the best one because it really has this emotional level of uh, mm. the the Jewish um, guy who invented the puppets gets killed, oh, right. and um, <laughs> yeah, so the puppets are kind of like they're kind of based on World War Two characters, the drillhead guy for like tunneling out of places, and oh, then wow. of course Blade. So it's a really cool like tie into Nazi Germany <laughs> and the dolls going out and killing Nazis. Oh man! Oh, Ninth Configuration was just William Peter Blatty. It wasn't William Friedkin at all. Some okay. minor state there, but there was there's an Exorcist connection. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I, I I completely get your sort of going for um, action movies. I myself <laughs> right. have ordered a couple of Jean Claude Van Damme movies that I didn't already own. Um, nice. A couple of early ones I've never heard of before, Black Eagle and something else. So, I'm a, I'm, that's he's my sort of guilty pleasure of those choice. Are, those are going to be John, so good. Yeah, I, I just I love JCVD. He has a charm to him, a sort of earnestness. Me too. That face. That face. That accent. That butt. He's got like the best butt. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to sinking into some escapist JCVD action. I did something similar. I watched. Um, I, I I have a podcast coming up for Cinema Bushido on um, Albert Pune's Nemesis, but um, oh. that's because Olivier Gruner, who was a fake JCVD, it was like <laughs> Jean Claude was like really big, and they thought, well, we need a Jean Claude for like B movies. So there was this other French guy, and I guess the way he got his first job is he snuck into Cannes and he started handing out like a one pager on himself because he was like oh, a great. kickboxer. Yeah, and then somebody just said, "Fine." They put him in this shitty like California movie called Angel Town, where you know he's like a. <laughs> but yeah, if you watch it, you could see like he obviously watched every Jean Claude movie and was just like, "I've got it." Same accent. <laughs> he's kind of balding, right? But yeah, they're white <laughs> French people that can kick really high. <laughs> Love those guys. God, anything used to go at Cannes, right? Because there was that year when Canon Film just showed up yeah. and held like a rival, like little press event in the, the hotel opposite the the sort of Palais du Cinema. It seems like shit used to be a lot more wild over there than maybe it is today. Although maybe I just went on an off year. <laughs> oh, what right. was I reading about? I was reading about some film where there was um, oh, it was a Fellini film. Um, perhaps it was uh, La Strada. I forget, but it was uh, it, it was just de- detailing how there was sort of fist fights breaking out when they gave it the top prize and a sort of brawl in the in the award ceremony. <laughs> you just you just think I really wish I could be in a place where people gave that much of a shit about film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, some people disagree with like Oscar best picture winners you know like the green book but you just never hear of a fist fight breaking out between like spike lee and quentin tarantino yeah that would be (laughs) awesome yeah i feel like it's all tamed a lot the old can even the old uh golden globes old academy awards it's like Mm. the type of people who were there the john waynes and the the young clint eastwoods they've they've faded out and now it's yeah it's a whole new world (laughs) <laughs> I love the awkwardness of it, though. I love the awkward uh, sometimes, like the awkwardness of Marlon Brando say- sending that Native American lady to accept his Oscar for him <laughs> right. and lecture everyone. That, that, that's no less awkward than what Joaquin Phoenix did this year. I, well, he did it at the BAFTAs. I'm not sure he did it also at the Oscars, but yeah, he was. Um, I like it. I like the disruptiveness of it. 
Cold you know, if we're going to watch a big self-indulgent awards ceremony where billionaires hand each other bits of gold medal, at least it could be extraordinarily uncomfortable once in a while. Yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> that's why I like the Gervais hosting so much, is he's, he really mm. just gives it to people in a shitty way. <laughs> it's too close to home. Yeah, and then he can say, but it's just a joke. <laughs> it's just a joke. We're all being paid to be here. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, that's cool. But th- So then mm. I decided to, yeah. I wanted modern day stuff. So, um, ah, yeah. So we're going to talk about... Uh, oh, yes. We've, we've pre-agreed on these films. You've seen them all yes. but one, and um, I've seen them all. <laughs> yes, I was so relieved for this, to be honest, because I've spent a week just kind of wallowing in old stuff, comfortable stuff, familiar stuff, stuff that's as far removed from what's going on as possible. And so when you su- suggested, you know, that we should cover some new films, and I you know, I haven't seen a new film since, you know, before all of this started... It was actually lovely. It was lovely to watch brand new stuff again and get back into the swing of it. (laughs) It's fresh. It's new. Yeah, exactly. It's it's stuff that's being put out there. Young flesh. (laughs) Unspoiled. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm not doing these in any kind of like order of what I whether I liked them or not. I'm just doing them, and Mm. I'll just start with the one that you only started, but I watched just to say, Bloodshot. Had some really Bloodshot. good action sequences. It really did some really good fights. Cool. But... I didn't get to those because the only ones I saw were like the opening gambit bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I stopped at the point when they introduced his team. Right. Because I suddenly realized I had finite number of hours before this call and I wasn't going to have time for everything. And I just thought, you know what? The other, the other two sounded better. So oh. I just uh, I stopped it at the part where we just meet his team and I just didn't care about the team. Yeah. And I think he, he I think the, it, it flopped pretty hard anyway. So you'll be doing it for Aww. one good thing one day. Um, yeah. I yeah. So. <laughs> and you'll figure it. But yeah, you know, it's a redone story. It was sort of like, uh, do you remember the Chuck Norris one, Silent Rage? Where, no, uh, I never saw that one. Oh yeah, it was a really mm. funny one where they, there was this like maniac, and he goes ahead and kills some kids in a family. So I think they put him to death, or maybe he kills himself. But they have this the green juice like from Reanimator and all that. They bring him back <laughs> to life, and he becomes this self healing, unstoppable killer that Chuck Norris has. Oh to fight. wow, okay. So no, they, that's that's Bloodshot. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really similar. But yeah. I mean, the edginess of it reminded me of the sort of. Because it is, it's it's valiant comics, isn't it? It's um, this, you know, slightly out there imprint that's hoping to kick off a shared universe yeah. with its characters that you've never heard of. And it just reminds me of that sort of niche comic, you know, the darkness style thing and just sort of Rob Liefeld and his whole gang and mm-hmm. just weird shit that most mainstream, you know, comic fans aren't even aware of. Right. So it was a nice little world, I guess. Yeah, um, I was hoping I, for him. I really like Vin Diesel. Um, he's always been one of my favorite action guys ever since Pitch Black, and I don't know. Mm. I'm always hoping for him. He's for cool. me. There are for me there are three Vin Diesels. There's the Vin Diesel who was really charming in his early sort of late '90s, early noughties roles, and had charisma, and you'd actually be kind of into him, you know, like in Triple X, and uh, like you say, Pitch Black, and even the first Fast and Furious movie. Then you have the somnambulist barely emoting, barely awake kind of Vin Diesel who was in most of the other Fast and Furious movies. But then there's a third Vin Diesel, the one who keeps making Riddick movies, the one who made The Last Witch Hunter, hoping it would turn into a franchise, the mm-hmm. one who made Babylon AD, the one who, who who just keeps earnestly trying to get a fantasy series off the ground. And that one I do have sympathy for and kind of this sort of 
I want him to succeed because it's just, you know, he's the underdog yeah. in this. And he seems to really care about these projects. I, I don't think he actually likes being in Fast and Furious movies anymore, especially because of the rivalry between him and The Rock, apparently. Agreed. Yeah, I think he's, yeah. he think he's done with it. He considers it yeah. his. But then you saw they did a Hobson Shaw, and I think that worked out just as well as all of the last yeah. numerical ones. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, that Dwayne The Rock Johnson's just a more magnetic lead. That became oh, apparent God, the first yeah. one that had him in it, because it was the fifth one, wasn't it? Fast Five. And Fast Five was probably the first legitimately good Fast and Furious, because yeah. before that was kind of a guilty pleasure. But Fast Five was actually a really fun heist movie and a big part it of was that the, the It rock. was the way to reboot it, because it was going to mm. just fail. I mean, we'd gone oh, already yeah. off the off the farm with uh, the kid from American Gothic and the Tokyo Drift <laughs> crap. And then we, oh, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, and we rebooted all. But yeah, at this point, they're all, they're pretty much the same thing as Mission Impossible and everything else mm. a bunch of cool stunts and familia <laughs> yeah family oh god <laughs> Don't i mean get the mission me impossible started ones. on the familia it's, mission impossible really did it's been pretty consistently great i even love the second one which people tend to have misgivings about but i'm a big john woo fan so i'll take all the doves and fire that he can give out you know <laughs> yeah no i feel you oh man Look. so yeah with Blood, Bloodshot, it was interesting. I'd probably... It seemed like the kind of movie that I would go and see on a Friday night and get kind of bored whilst watching, but would still appreciate the atmosphere of what it is, the sort of dumb, gritty action movie. Yeah. And it was fun <laughs> for that. And it had this okay. this stupid-ass twist like they'd have to do. And and yeah, there you go. There's life. Mm. It's like, oh, all right. But still, yeah, I mean, um, I, it, I liked it as much as I liked, uh, you know... Um, What's our one with Jason Statham electrocuting himself? Oh, yes. Uh, Well, actually, we'll come back to Neville Dean Taylor shortly because one of the other films we're going to talk about really put Crank in mind. But uh, (laughs) yes, there's slight, there is, yeah, I guess that kind of appeal. Well, cool. Then uh, the next one up, um, I was really excited for it, is The Hunt. Mm. The Hunt, yes. What a fucking interesting film. And I, I fell for it the whole time. Like right away, I'm like, great emma roberts i love her she's awesome (laughs) yeah because it it likes to fake you out which was very interesting i will say as a thriller it was really good as a sort of constantly changing really edge of your seat thriller i really liked it i really liked the um the violence (laughs) was really well executed i found the violence was wonderful a couple of dodgy cgi gunshot effects but some of them look really good like you know, the guy if if the guy getting blown up by the grenade that was in his trousers, if that's <laughs> CGI, then wow. I yeah. don't think it is. I think they maybe even blew up a big sack of meat. But if it is CGI, then kudos to them because I couldn't tell. So It was just so clever. So many funny scenes. And I loved <laughs> our hero. Right when I saw her, I was like, okay, she's a little weird. But then as things started to progress, we have the best fucking protagonist. Well, the thing about the protagonist is, is Betty Gilpin playing it. And anyone who's a fan of Glow will know Betty Gilpin. Yeah. And she's playing it very big. You know, even though she's kind of, uh, you know, quiet, it's a big performance. She's got the eyes and she's got the faces, which are sometimes absolutely inscrutable as to what it's actually meant to represent. Like there's a bit where she has to pull a guy onto a moving train and she pulls an expression that to me communicated she was about to kick him off. Yeah. But... That wasn't what that face meant. And that happened a couple of times where it was like, what was what was that yeah, face? It was amazing. But 
in terms of like sympathy for the main character, I will say the politics of this one really fucked me up. I didn't know where I was. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, should I be offended? Right. Should it's I be? it's like a bunch Am of I? liberals get mad about a bunch <laughs> of ignorant gun-toting rednecks, so they make fun of them and yeah. they get back at them and then they like find we're just going to kidnap these people because yeah. we're rich and we're going to hunt yeah. them down. At one point I had to sort of check myself because it was like Okay, I'm sitting here getting really offended because they're implying that all liberals are sort of, you know, snowflakes who constantly correct each other. Right. You know, absolutely impossible. And I was like, this movie is clearly anti-liberal, and I'm really upset about that. Then I thought, well, hang on a minute. The right-wing characters have been portrayed as homophobic, misogynist. One of them has held a gun on a Mexican family. And it's like, I think it's going to piss everyone off. Totally. (laughs) And that's probably the safer thing to do. I will say the director, whose name I have forgotten, um, he apparently worked on The Leftovers a bunch. Yeah, um, I saw that. And that was one of my mm. favorite TV shows of all time in my top I haven't three. seen it. Ooh, Craig Zobel, the guy's name. Yeah. He has done a bit of a tight walk ever since there was a backlash to it. Um, sometimes saying that the movie was meant to be about how the internet kind of radicalizes people and draws them apart. Although, frankly, I didn't really get that. If there's a reasonable person in here who's just been made bad by the internet, I didn't spot them. <laughs> because everybody's meant to be a cliche. Right. But I'll say this. Um, each character, their name, right? The One of the guy's yeah. names is Staten Island. Um, there's Yoga oh, Pants. Right. There's Vanilla yeah. Nice. There's just Target. <laughs> there's Shut the Fuck Up, Gary. So you kind of know what yeah. you're in for. These people, these characters <laughs> don't even have real names for the most part. Yeah. It, it's, it's pure caricatures sort of out to get each other and... You know, how upset you want to get by it is, you know, entirely up to you. But, I mean, he himself, um, yeah, you see, uh, it's really interesting because fucking Trump came out criticizing the film, obviously having not seen it, and saying that this is a movie that's going to try and incite chaos and it's going to try and incite violence against the right wing amongst liberals because, you know, he was assuming it was going to be very critical of the right wing. And then some commentators, uh, like some guys from the National Review, came out and argued actually it's an anti-liberal movie that's being misinterpreted by conservative critics. So it's that thing where it's just going to piss everyone off. You know, nobody's going to feel like it belongs to them because nobody's really going to want to associate with any of these characters, which is interesting. It makes for some interesting watching, slightly squirmy. But, um, I mean, the director has, Greg Zobel has now come out and said that, oh, I didn't intend for it to be this kind of provocative. I was aiming for a sort of Evil Dead 2 vibe, which, I mean, if that was the vibe you were going for, you could have, I feel like you could have just made it class-based. Right. You know, working class versus ruling elite. That's what the book, The Most Dangerous Game, was about anyway. Right. You made this... I mean, the original... It's rumoured, denied by the studio, but rumoured that this was at some point described as um, titled uh, Red State versus Blue State. Uh-huh. So they now, were trying to rile he's people shit. up. He's full of shit. Yeah. He never would have done any <laughs> of the stuff. The f- opening thing says anti-Trump stuff in it. The opening, The opening text messages. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. because those are the uh, the villainous liberal characters all messaging each other. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you God. ever see Surviving the Game? No. Oh, it's got uh, Ice-T is the one that's getting hunted, and he's getting hunted by mm. um, by Busey, by um, oh, uh, wow. uh, uh, the Salieri guy from, from uh, Amadeus. Uh... Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's got those two, plus somebody else. He's got a letter. Yeah, very funny. It's a... <laughs> 
That sounds amazing. What is his name that's going to bother me? It's a letter at the beginning. Oh, right. Uh, F. Marie Abraham. F. Marie Abraham. That's exactly who it is. Yeah, of all people, him and Busey. And there's somebody else really <laughs> interesting, too. Um, it's escaping me, but it's somebody you wouldn't expect to be one of the bad guys chasing after him. But I'll have to look it up. But yeah, it's another one of those oh, people hunting people movies that I don't know. I like it. Was it Rutger Hauer? Beautiful and gory. Oh, right. It was Rutger Hauer, of all people. Oh, man. <laughs> You know what? Busey chooses strange bedfellows when he goes after people because it was him and um, he was when he was the bad guy in Under Siege. He had Tommy Lee right. Jones as his sidekick. Yeah, <laughs> in drag. Oh no, he was the one in drag. That's right. Tommy Lee Jones was dressed like Dennis Hopper from uh, <laughs> right. Apocalypse Now. What was that movie? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, is there anything else? Oh, no, that, I think that's it for the oh, right. thoughts on the hunt. Well, yeah. It's then, uh, entertaining, but um, provocative in an yeah. interesting way. Well worth anybody's time. I don't know what side you're on. Is. So. If you like action and you like gore, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and you're okay with being triggered. I would recommend. Yep. A little bit of triggering. <laughs> All right. A little bit of triggering. Next, I'd recommend it. Next up we have... In the same... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, just briefly. In the same breath, I would recommend Assassination Nation, the movie from last year. It's a similar kind of, you know, fuck everyone kind of vibe. Which I did see that as well, and I expected to be more shocked, Ooh. and I wasn't. <laughs> ah, interesting. So desensitized. <laughs> oh, with uh, this culture now. Yeah, exactly. This Twitter generation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, well, next up we have uh, a movie called Swallow. Swallow, yes. Uh, Very edgy kind of uh, psychological thriller. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this idea of your. It's about compulsion, right? And uh, mm. and health, and and it's it's a really really pretty film. Like the colors they used, and yes, very yeah, pretty. Yeah, really nice costume design, and I I loved it. It was a very quiet and slow mm. film, but slowly menacing in a way that I really enjoyed. The sort of constant oppression of the main character was something that felt really visceral yeah you know just um and it was strange it reminded me of a film a short film i saw maybe 20 years ago called um cutting moments it's a short film it's only half an hour long and it's about a what the, the whole film is a woman comes out and tries to entertain her husband in a sort of sexy nighty he does he ignores her keeps watching television so she goes to the bathroom and very slowly just cuts off her lips with a pair of scissors Oof. That's the whole thing. She cuts off her lips and then she comes back out again and they have this sort of moment together, a sort of shock. And, you know, it's that, it's that really sinister sort of horror of just something really mundane and domestic. You know, just it, just reminding you that you are right now sat surrounded by things that could fuck your life up forever if you just reached out and touched it. And the sequence where she is considering, I suppose we should say it's about a woman who um, finds herself compulsively needing to eat unusual things as a result of her incredibly um, oppressive and bad marriage that she's in really good performance as the dickhead husband mm -hmm. incidentally and, and our lead is really good Let me and and her past trauma I, what i think is really interesting mm, and i yes. think you'll agree with this too they got somebody very very pretty she's so pretty that she looks perfect from the outside <laughs> it's very much like um you know uh in Mad Men, you know uh Don's wife Hayley, in the beginning. Yeah. You know, it's just very Bennett. Yeah, you is got, the actress, and yeah, yeah so it's she's a lot of really good, perfect sweaters, and her clothing is always really good, <laughs> and her hair is perfect, and her skin is gorgeous. So mm. it's sort of like this perfect exterior, but she's like completely rotten on the inside, and she's she's ripping yeah. her insides up. It's crazy. Well, she really beautifully manages to affect this um, 
this kind of vulnerability at the beginning. There's a moment where the husband, played brilliantly by Austin Stoll, this just absolute dick, this granite-jawed dick, you know, and yeah. Haley uh, Burnett as Hunter, she just, um, he, he's thanking her for having married him, and she just looks at him with this absolute sort of supplicant look, like slight mouth open, hazy eyes, sort of bovine expression that's just yeah. really quite perfect you know for someone who's just kind of been overwhelmed into the situation that she's in and then later on just the quiet resentment like the, one of the most brutal moments for me was when the the dad just completely fucking ignores her at dinner like she's telling a story and he just totally right. talks over her that like that was like a punch in the face for me it was it was for me it too they did really well because he's like tell the story mm. it's funny and she didn't even want to yeah. and she's like Halfway through, yeah. he's just like, "Yeah, fuck you. You're, you know, worth yeah. my ears." <laughs> oh, by the way, whatever you were saying, but this me because I'm important, <laughs> right? And it's just, oh, fuck you. I hope that she ends up killing you all. <laughs> God. Oh, but yeah, it was really, really menacing in a really interesting way. Yeah. And but yeah, it's just the moment when she goes to pick up the pin, the the safety because it's the first thing that she's considered swallowing that's gonna do some damage. And just the, the, the awfulness of imagining it, because it's a very relatable oh, kind of upset. Just picking up a thumbtack and thinking, I could eat that. Yeah. I could put it, I could And she it. knows she shouldn't, and she's just so compelled <laughs> yeah. to do it. And it's like, oh my God, yeah. And we're all scared of that. Inadvertently ingesting yeah. something that we know is going to destroy our insides. Well, it's just... we have that weird compulsion to self-harm. It's like, you know, when you're over like a precipice, and you just kind of think to yourself, I could just jump off. Like, it's right there not that you want to but just the knowledge that you could just do something really small that would have immense life-ending consequences it's it's a weird human thing that we all have i have i've never driven but um someone once described to me the phenomenon of driving in a car and having the um idea just the idea hey i could just pull into oncoming traffic you know it would be a tiny movement of my arm and it would like change everything totally (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just a weird thing that humans have yeah mm. yeah and you know you think of it the other way too it's uh she she is getting the pleasure of whatever psychological thing that's making yeah. her do it and well, I, I mean you could control. look you, yeah you could see it as the same stuff as you know alcoholism or or drug yeah. abuse or any of those things so you're knowingly hurting yourself for the high of doing the thing yeah exactly of yeah. just doing something purely for her own sake which is something that's denied to her and just the lengths the family will go to to just sort of make sure that she conforms is quite frightening yeah that was good all right Mm. um next up uh another um really gory uh you know (laughs) like the hunt uh guns akimbo i really enjoyed this one yeah me too daniel radcliffe um you know he and um he and um what's his name god damn it um it'll come to me he, Is he, he, yes, you know, you know what I was going to yeah. say because we've had this That's conversation. <laughs> the two guys that could have just gone the way that yeah. their childhood was going to let them go, it could have been fucking terrible. And instead, they're both making really interesting badass movies. Yeah, and and Kristen Stewart as well. Just, yeah. uh, is it Chris? Is it Kristen or Kirsten? I always fuck this up. I think it's Kirsten. Is it Kirsten Stewart? No, it's um, Kirsten Dunst, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. I, I mean, all three of them, having grown up with these sort of big franchises that could have set them up for life, have now committed to being in all of these really weird little projects. Yeah. And Daniel Radcliffe in particular. I mean, his post-Potter movies have Swiss been so Army bizarre. Man. Swiss Army Man. 
<laughs> and now Guns Akimbo are sort of... And what Guns Akimbo reminds me of is that movie Shoot 'em Up. Yeah. With Clive Owen. Yep. Which is a movie I always felt like I should enjoy more than I did. For the simple reason that it's a movie full of action sequences, none of which I particularly found very exciting. That was the trouble. Whereas, it pushed all the yeah. buttons. It even had a great name. Shoot 'em Up. Yeah. You got the name. You got <laughs> you had a cool-ass motherfucker in the, in the lead. But no, how do you yep. screw that up? And a great villain in um, Paul Giamatti and a crazed sort of wide-eyed performance from uh, Monica Bellucci. But yeah, I, I, I never found that movie very interesting. This movie is similar, but has good action sequences. Never quite as good as the first one with Nova. Uh, no. Nix, sorry. The first action sequence with Nix is like proper John Wick style. Well, I mean, what it reminded me of was Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. His action sequences for like Kick-Ass and um, Kingsman. It reminded me of that kind of energy. And it's never as good as um the first time we see nicks but it's still really compellingly entertaining it's um yeah in fact it's a... would, i'd say this it's even unbelievable that she would so when you watch how much ass she kicks in the beginning there's mm. no way that she's really playing this cat and mouse with uh with you're Miles. right yeah they have to nerf her almost immediately because they introduce her and this is samara weaving playing nicks in a really really fun comic but also tragic performance as uh the very damaged nix who's a very fun character um and yeah they introduce her and she's just effortlessly taking people out all around her and then for the rest of the movie she needs to struggle to do that so yeah yeah it's not quite as uh yeah it's not going to be as natural as it should be because daniel radcliffe has accidentally been roped into a, a game a sort of real life video game where suddenly he has to kill this other player, Nyx, or she has to kill him, um, and he's had guns sort of uh, grafted onto his hands for this purpose. Yeah, so they have a lot of comedy around. Uh, he can't mm. use his phone, he can't piss, he can't put on a yes. shirt. You know, the, they've got the, all just, those, these real-life issues you'd have if you had gun hands. That, I love that, because it just hadn't occurred to me. I was so willing to buy into just the comic book reality of he's just got guns on his hands, and then the constantness of the um, yeah. realities of having useless hands was just the hot dog really scene. quite surprising. Ew. Oh, that was great. Oh, and Reese Darby. <laughs> yeah, so Reese maybe Darby's that... in here as a tramp. M- Murray. I know. I thought yeah. that was great. He's so fun. I really like Reese Darby. I- I've enjoyed him since I knew him as a stand-up sort of before um, yeah. Concourse, but yep. you know him, I-, I love when he just pops up and thinks like Jumanji and um yeah he's so good at jumanji too and uh was it wilder people right wasn't he the yeah he in, was in wilder people yeah, in the house <laughs> yeah, yeah and what we do in the shadows is a bit of a watiti um uh yeah uh regular although i guess he didn't find room for him in jojo right when i'd say the commentary in this um just to just to kind of hit that back to him and why he's so pathetic mm. is it's about trolls People who troll each other, people who are just mean to each other, and he gets taken aback because that's his power is to go home and just be a dick. And yeah, the way he justifies it is he's being a dick to the dicks, but he is still just getting off on aggravating people. And you know, and it's yeah, it was interesting. It was the commentary of this one. Sometimes felt a little bit, oh, isn't technology terrible? But it was more just sort of be accountable for your actions online. You know, which I obviously approve of that's a good message and it was a much more sort of digestible piece of satire than um than the hunt <laughs> it reminded me have you heard of a graphic novel called uh crowded no 
it's about a, f- a grim future in which there is an app that is essentially like Kickstarter, but for bounties on people. Okay. So you people crowdfund um, people's sort of I bounties on their heads. Yeah. It's so funny. And it's it's about one woman who doesn't know what she's done wrong. She considers herself to be a regular person who suddenly has this enormous price on her head. And she hires this person who sort of specializes in protecting people who have been sort of targeted by this app called Reaper. Wow. Um it's a lot of fun. I love that. I it's, <laughs> it's totally really cool. on my list now. That's yeah. Because I'm a big fan of Death Note and I, I love mm. those kinds of things. And and stuff like like this and that great black mirror with the hashtags and the, the metal oh, metal God. bees. Yeah, it's yeah. it's cool. It's like public opinion <laughs> is the idea. Yeah, how we can absolutely go the other way. The, fright- the frightening ways in which we interact with each other. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, the last big one I have, at least, is um, and this was actually one that made it to the theaters, and I think it's really, really fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Is Invisible Man? Yes, absolutely. It's um. Uh, a complete change of direction for the sort of dark universe, which I think they have now scrapped. And thank God, because it was such a bad idea to try and make Marvel-style action movies out of the Universal Monsters. Right. I had no idea why that was the approach. It made so much sense to me to make horror movies out of some of the most, you know famous movie monsters ever put on screen to just update them and bringing in Bloomhouse just makes all the sense in the world um so here we have the first one the invisible man and yeah it's really surprisingly compellingly good <laughs> yeah it really is and so we've got the theme that we as you pointed out uh when we were talking about the the full list uh it's the theme mm. of a woman who is miserable in yeah. her marriage to the point that she has to extract herself in a very extreme way yes and a very interesting and exciting opening sequence that really had me on the edge of my seat it's largely silent and it's just the the sound of the waves if i remember correctly because it's this beachside house she's having to escape from and we have elizabeth moss our lead who is trying to escape from this house without making any noise she's trying to go unseen which you know is going to be somewhat thematically important for her (laughs) soon and that's just the beginning from there it's just this constant sort of tension because it keeps playing on the idea of the empty frame where the audience knows there's something there yeah you're so I right love that you're it's, so right it's paranormal activity yeah. you know it's the idea of there's something here you can't see it but the reason the camera is pointing this way is because there's something here i would say it's the most chilling version of that i've seen you know you think of things mm. like predator um and all these sure. really wonderful movies in this particular case i'm not saying that that's better than this but i'm saying in terms of me wondering where the invisible person was they did a Mm. really good job with camera angles sound all this stuff to really like when she's there's a point where she's locked in kind of a solitary area and she Mm. thinks he's there and we think he's there but there's just no fucking way to tell so it just sends your nerves right up the neck yeah and there's i mean i'm gonna avoid spoilers here very carefully but there's a kill halfway through the film um, which oh comes God. as a big surprise. And wow, that moment. Just when you suddenly figure out what's going on just a split second before it happens. Oh, it's it's beautifully timed. It and it was really just, yeah, big that, impact on me. That was audition style stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big twist. Like, holy shit, this movie's going in a different direction yeah. now. I kind of thought I got it all from the trailer, and I did get a lot mm. from the trailer. This was one that kind of they needed to, of because I never would have yeah. watched The Invisible Man. I, I hated the one, <laughs> the what was the last Invisible Man one? Hollow Man? Yeah, exactly. With Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Oh, you hated it. Interesting. Oh, yeah. It just... I haven't seen it in years, but I liked it as a kid. Gotcha. Yeah, it rubbed me the wrong <laughs> way. I like the way. special effects. Yeah, and it had some of the similar stuff, but it was just such a dark film. You're stuck in like a, a oh, clinic the heaven. whole time, and yeah, yeah, yeah not so good. Effort. He's always got a, a slightly cynical nature to him that's uh, often often quite difficult to watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think another thing that made this movie really cool is Elizabeth Moss. Um, she mm. always surprises everybody because she's really versatile and she really yeah. has range. And in this, I feel like she could give Florence Pugh a run for her money in terms of just keeping a miserable state <laughs> through the, the whole goddamn film. Yeah. You know, I was worried because in the trailer, I thought she was going to do the sort of bug-eyed, crazy, like, he's here, he's <laughs> you know, sort, of, sort of giggling to herself kind of performance. Right. But no, that's not what we get at all. She's, um, yeah, a much more interesting, compelling, and relatable presence. And, you know, there's many ways to read the ending, but if you read it, the kind of way that maybe this whole thing was a bit of an origin story, then that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be neat. <laughs> anyway, well, that's... I'll throw out one last one. I didn't even, I don't know if I mentioned this one to you, but maybe I did yeah. because we had a small back and forth, but a shout out to uh, Fortress, which I hadn't seen in forever. Yeah. I was in the mood oh. for some Christophe Lambert. And oh, I love the Lambert. It was a really, it was a really good. It's such a fun <laughs> movie. I remember seeing it in the theater, and I've probably seen it maybe two other times over the last twenty years or whatever. But it's wow. just really fun to watch again. It's it was that different time. It was all these practical effects. It was this cool mm. futuristic prison. A lot of this stuff just doesn't. As someone else I was talking to on Twitter pointed out, it just it gets made still, but they're just super B movies, direct to video, and you yeah. don't they don't get anybody's radar. Like Fortress had like a theatrical release. They really believed in this movie. They put good huh. actors in it and yeah. That's great. I mean I like I say, I saw it when I was actually a child, like we had it on VHS. I think it was <laughs> um I was very young. I think I might have had it as a double set with this. I just read Fortress 2 Reentry came out in 2000, so maybe I had a there double VHS go. set in that year, in which case I'd have been 12, but bloody hell. Uh, the only thing that really... Oh, Stuart Gordon! Yeah. Sorry to cut myself off. Stuart Gordon, who recently died, I believe. Yeah, you got it. Um, yeah, and he yeah he did some very interesting films in his time, some very interesting sort of grindhouse-y kind of stuff. But, um so... The... so um cool in their in their in the you know he, he did he did a thing and he did it really really really, really yeah well. oh he did robot jocks that's a that's a fun film um but yes fortress the big thing i remember about fortress is the stomach thing because yeah. they inject you right when you get into this prison they put this thing into you and if you cross over this line does, does it have a name the thing um i don't know if it does they always just be like no it, they, it does oh, testinator yeah you got it intestinator because it, it explodes if you um fuck around too much and that yeah that that made an impression on me <laughs> yeah and i love that i just don't know why but it's like they just he, the the headmaster or whatever you want to call him the warden just decides to be yeah. a dick that was all like things were just cruising along everything was pretty normal and suddenly christopher lambert and his wife get pulled in he's like well i'm gonna totally take your wife as my own and i'm gonna torture you every day and it's like but why but it leads to a great movie with some really funny parts yeah 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yep. All right. Um, R.I.P. Stuart Gordon. R.I.P. Stuart Gordon. Um, I'm just looking through my list because I watched some... Fi- the appetites I had. First day of lockdown, I watched Bride of Frankenstein, Ooh. followed by Long Good Friday, oh, followed that's by great. Lethal Weapon. <laughs> what was the third one? I mean, I don't know. Lethal Weapon. Oh, nice. So I don't know what was going on there. But yeah, Long Good Friday is a great film. I love the soundtrack, Bob Hoskins' performance. What a movie. Um, and then second day was like hard-boiled Into the Spider-Verse Ooh. and Star Wars A New Hope. So a bit more blockbusty, I guess, except for hard-boiled. I don't know where that came from. And then another day was it it came from out of space the cheesy 50s b movie sci-fi film harvey the um oh yeah what's his name uh stewart jimmy uh, stewart it's one of my jimmy favorite stewart. movies he can, yeah he can see a big rabbit you know and it's a very underrated stewart performance i think because he's lovely in that he really is um, he, he does this thing that he doesn't do in a <laughs> lot of other ones where he just the whole time it's like everything's cool he's the dude yeah, yeah. he is the dude yeah, he like, even has a perfect dude line where he says something like um seems to me in this world there are people who are um, clever or pleasant. And I've tried clever, and I choose pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a great a, line. That's such a great line. And it just, uh, that was lovely. And then I think yesterday I was in the mood for dystopian sci-fi, so I watched The Terminator, uh, the original, and Escape from New York. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting moods have been striking me. I feel like very soon I'm going to be in the mood to watch something which is just about people going about a regular business day totally i have the movie i I keep coming back to the movie arbitrage um starring richard Gere, and it's a movie that kind of came and went not many people notice but i keep watching it because it's kind of lifestyle porn for like someone who lives and works in new york (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) it's like if you want to just imagine what it would be like to live and work in new york you just stick arbitrage on so i keep coming back to it now and then so I'll probably watch that in order to remember karma days. <laughs> I um I watched another Manson documentary. I tried to do some yeah. true crimey stuff. The only other stuff Ooh. I did that was off for me. I just I wanted to see. I've never seen Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Oh, the Ross Meyer movie. Yeah. So that oh, was man, that was really that? interesting and not at all what I expected. I <laughs> I thought a little campier than it was it was it sort of took itself seriously even though right and it's ridiculous and then um i downloaded um a movie uh it's like a it's called kill exclamation point uh it's a japanese film so i'm looking forward to that one the other weird one i did oh i was i brought this up with you earlier i think it's called salo Mm. uh but it's the oh yes the uh 120 days of sodom yeah by Pier Paolo Pasolini. Um, I guess I just yeah, I his... wanted to be depressed. So <laughs> one of his later films, I think, before he himself met a vicious end at the hand of um, sort of pro-fascist um, hooligans, if I remember correctly, he was stabbed to death on a beach. Wow. So yeah, he was. Um, oh yeah, run over by his own car. God. It was a miserable movie. I mean, a good movie, well yeah. put together. I kind of liked what he did with the camera. He'll sort of follow people, shaking it a little, not shaky cam, but it was something that mm. sort of made you feel gross. Er, yeah, like it was a little more jarring. Yeah. And then yeah, it's... just terrible people and terrible situations. There's no joy <laughs> anywhere in that. You know movie. what? Weirdly, and actually during the movie Harvey, I felt the need to pause it and went over to my book collection and just so happened to pull out Bret Easton Ellis' American Psycho just to leaf through it. I don't know why. The sort of I, I'd read through parts of We Need to Talk About Kevin the previous day because I was thinking about really 
books that really affected me and mm-hmm. i thought about different ways in which violence is depicted and i think there's something similar with uh, american psycho and um sallow in as much as both of them are movies about hate uh, about the director's hate but the hate is directed towards the people perpetrating the violence but in order to demonstrate that hatred they portray the violence they are willing to do so it's possible to read you know something like american psycho and think that it's all about the violence against women which of course it is um but it's actually that the anger the author has is really about yuppie culture Mm -hmm. and in saying that you know someone is the sort of person who would nail someone's hand to the floor by several different fingers he's really trying to say fuck you to the person who would do that and i think pasolini is doing the same in sallow because he just hates fascism so much but that kind of anger is never going to yield something that's going to be an enjoyable watch you know totally good good movies tend to come out of a place of catharsis i think well you know i watch a, i watch a lot of chinese films and a lot of uh exploitation <laughs> films and in particular oh, yeah. the chinese um especially in the throughout the 70s um mm. they they have such a hatred of japan that's sort of the oh, same what? thing yes even if it's a even if it's just a, a regular old kung fu movie you're gonna have all yeah. of these um portrayals of the japanese as just being vicious they usually have hitler mustaches um (laughs) they're always just evil for the sake of being evil there's a woman let's rape her and murder her because that's what the japanese would do yeah it's very much like that and it's kind of funny so it's the same kind of movie idea but instead they're like let's do all this shitty stuff but then also we'll have this (laughs) chinese hero that kicks everybody's ass (laughs) i mean even in mainstream bruce you know fist of fury is basically about that and i mean if you look at the horror of manchuko that state that they set up in china during world war ii oh, i guess yeah. it's you know easy to understand but it's weird how that became such a common thread because there's a jet Li movie in the 90s that has japanese villains it, it's a remake of uh fist of fury oh yes there is fist of fury but i think there's is it also either pro- it's not prodigal son but it, no it's uh, called it sounds like fist of fury um Fist. There is uh, Tai Chi Master as well. Oh no, I'm um, sorry. The remake of Fist of Fury is called Fist of Legend. The Fist of Legend. There you um, go. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but there's, there's, I think there's another one with Japanese guys as the bad guys. You're right. It's a common thread for in the 80s. Chinese I films. mean, you think of things <laughs> like The Last Emperor, and you um, look at things like uh, Farewell, My Concubine. Um, yeah, that movie is pretty much just like, hey, look, the Chinese were super, super harmed by the Japanese. <laughs> I love it when American and British people are the bad guys in Chinese movies. If you look at Ip Man and Once yeah. Upon a Time in China, when it's just sort of imperialist forces, you know, that's always quite fun. <laughs> oh my god, one last thing. I saw the new Ip Man, Ip Man 4. Oh, Ip Man 4, what did you make of it? Goodman's um, oh, it, seen it, it but I was haven't. garbage. Really? Oh yeah, it was just so sad. You know, it's what happened. Oh. I feel like they just lost all the story. They didn't know what they wanted to do, so they made it in San Francisco this time. But it was really just about how everybody <laughs> hates the Chinese and the Chinese are weak. And there's a, a big nationalistic thing about the Chinese in it. And it's more about that than it's about anything else. There are some cheesy scenes, kind of the same stuff really? we're used to. Mm. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I was never that into it, man. I think the first one is very interesting as this like, historical drama yeah, and this sort of story beautiful. of wartime. Yeah, but... As a martial arts movie, I just never found the fighting that exciting in it. Um, well choreographed, I'm sure, but just never really got me. So, and I think that there's some there's real style shown in the fighting, and I think that's what they were trying yeah. to do because that's what it is. Nobody nobody had really heard of it, man, before the movie. Um, you know, people talk about Wing Chun, and 
all of that. It was like only small groups or martial artists knew what it was, who he was, um, or, yeah. or Bruce Lee scholars, or you know what I mean. The, but the average person had no idea who he was. He wasn't name recognition yeah. like you know Jackie or something. But that said, um, I think the first one had a lot of like real fighting. But like if you mm. look at the movie The Grandmasters, that's it, man again. But this time yes. he's doing these like kicks where somebody flies back. 12 feet and you know sliding in the rain it's much more stylized and i think more that's, fun to watch uh, that's one car why isn't it yeah. and the um yeah. the uh, cinematography was by someone really interesting a westerner if i remember correctly um it was like um hold on what's his name philippe de uh, le sword and the thing is i think i've yet to see that movie in its original edition because it was if i remember correctly somewhat slaughtered in its western release right um so I've yet to see a proper version of uh, The Grandmaster, and I'd be very interested to do so. Yeah, and I wonder if we'll see it. I mean, that's one of those tough things mm. where I'm sure there's a, a perfect Chinese version, but, um, you know, who would translate the whole thing and get re- yeah, re-release it, was, it or something? It was the fucking Weinstein Company, because they kept doing this. Not that this is anywhere near the list of uh, sort of top ten Weinstein atrocities, but they kept releasing Western movies because... Yeah, they did a, a number of movies during the noughties the same way, and they released and Miramax as well, and they released a 108 minute cut, which was uh, 22 minutes short of the Chinese version. So, wow. yeah, irritating. <laughs> because I really didn't like or think much of Red Cliff, the John Woo movie, when I first saw that, and it wasn't until I saw it as it was meant to be yeah. seen as a two part epic, two and a half thought, hours. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, and it's like, wow, this is good. This is really good. This is like really interesting characters in this and actual like storylines it's not just yeah oh wow it's 288 minutes when you've yeah. put the whole thing together so that's four hours sheesh i was way off but yeah i remember it was an <laughs> epic thing you when i sat down mm. to watch it it was one of those you just you stay in and it rewards you of course like lawrence of Arab- oh, yeah. arabia and stuff like that you know you just got to commit <laughs> and, and get into it and yeah eat it up yeah well it's like i say no good film is too long you know, uh, a film like Lawrence of Arabia, which is something like four out, four and a half hours long, mm. is not too long because it keeps you engaged. Whereas Transformers Two, which is only two and a half hours long, is too long. Holy so, shit! You know, something being too long is very much a symptom of other problems. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I think we covered it all. Hmm. Um, I was gonna say as a final thing. Oh yeah. Um, it's funny to. I'm sure you've noticed this. You're not as um in isolation as I've been up to this point, but uh, mm. I'm watching shows and I'm seeing people sitting across from each other and I'm like, get some space between you guys. <laughs> You're getting nervous. Oh, I had, yes, I've been watching, I watched a YouTube um, thing of someone playing Interstellar um, on a piano in the middle of King's Cross Station. Oh, wow. And people are just touching each other and brushing past each other and You're like, Stop shaking it. hands. <laughs> yeah, you'll, it's like, this is kill- gross. No, this is wrong. You'll kill us all. <laughs> What is your self-preservation, people? <laughs> oh, God. It's hard. To, it's it's at that point where it's almost hard to imagine going back to normal. Right. You know? When I think of, like, September, am I going to be sat in a restaurant elbow to elbow with my fellow diners just eating something and not worrying at all about, you know, contracting something that could kill the next elderly person I come across? It just it feels very far away. <laughs> oh, you want to hear the social distancing fail I heard? Um, oh, and yeah. you could you could probably tell me um, something more about it. But I guess London had this showing of Wrath of Khan, and they had 
um, Shatner come and Shatner's doing this whole oh, European tour. But yeah, people yeah. didn't care. They just all got together, you know, snotted on each other's uh. hands. and. <laughs> yeah, th- I hadn't heard of that particular one, but I have heard of some... Uh... Uh, of some di- uh, fra- fra- uh, what, do, what do you call it blatant disregard yeah. of the social distancing rules that have caused uh, a fair amount of trouble well that was last week so hopefully he's now oh he's, wow he's gotten o- yeah. back on the enterprise and gone his own way <laughs> well st- yeah. stay healthy you know stay inside mm. yeah how are you getting food do you get it delivered no we're able to go out for a um uh, for food, oh. um, but we're encouraged to do it only a couple of times a week. Yeah. So, yeah, we're able to leave for that, and we're also encouraged to leave once a day for exercise, yeah. which, um, you know, is great, but then you go to a park, and it's just throngs of people, exactly. and it's like, well, maybe I'll just stick to streets. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the same thing here, and yeah, fortunately, um, people, even walking, you know, everyone's just in the street trying to stay away from each other, so... <laughs> a little, yeah. little bit. I mean, this is... My whole life I've been doing this, you know? I've been um, crossing the street to get away from people and kind of just, you know, maybe going down this other street if it means I get to go around these people instead of past them. And now everybody's doing it, so it works out well for me. How about watching movies in the dark by yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh God, I miss the cinema. I do miss the cinema a lot. And I I think at the last time I was actually in a cinema, which was... um, I went and saw uh, Peter Greenaway's A Z and Two Noughts at the BFI. And I remember when the movie finished, I sort of sat there for a while. I wish I'd sat longer. <laughs> Just soaked it in, the atmosphere, yeah. before heading out to the streets, not realizing it would be months and months and months before I got to come back. Right. And all these movies that are going to get pushed in the movies, that other movies that just may not ever make it now. And Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Black Widow you can afford to hold on to because nope. people are going to yeah. show up. But, you know, movie, little movie, mid budget movies like um i had tickets to see a preview of promising young woman yeah which we talked about in the did. last episode yeah. what's gonna happen to that can they afford to hold on to it or is it just gonna get sort of launched onto one of these online only right streaming services it's and will will the right hunt now. make its money will yeah all these things that they're yeah. sending down through amazon prime yeah i mean i think bloodshot was doing badly before but the second weekend you know, first weekend was so many millions, and then second weekend, because of the lockdown, was like $500,000. Wow. That's crazy. Well, yeah. you'll feel especially sad for me. Next week, I was <laughs> supposed to have a showing of, um, oh, I can't remember which movie it was, but John Woo was going to be on site to talk oh, to everybody shit. after. It was The Killer. Oh, yeah, the, oh it was The Yeah, they were going to do The Killer, and then he would be there afterwards for Q&A, but obviously what a great movie. canceled. Yep. Yep, we had a, uh, Werner Herzog came to the BFI, supposed to be last week, um, in order to talk about his uh, movie that got cancelled. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's just not happening and should be happening. Our pets' heads are <laughs> falling off! <laughs> it's all going wrong. Alright, well that's enough of all this. Until next time, guys, <laughs> uh, everybody stay healthy and stay off the damn streets. And Get off those streets. Yeah, keep off those streets. Don't go to the mall. Like a day of the dead. It'll be just like that. <laughs> T- Will be. Till next time.